morning. How are you this morning? Well, I'm so glad you've come out. I know we're early today. We're starting at 10 rather than doing an afternoon. Well, in addition to doing an afternoon meeting, and I'm so glad that you've shown up. Take your handouts with me this morning. We're going to begin right there in the beginning because we need to be done by 12 o'clock today. In Isaiah 14, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you said in your heart, I will ascend into where? Heaven. Heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest sides of the north. I will, what does it say? Ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Now, remember, we've talked about this principle before in this series. What principle is this? First of all, who is this that it's referring to? This is Lucifer. Many people uh, are aware today that Satan was once and what? An angel. He fell from that through this experience that we're covering, through imbibing this principle. What direction was he moving in? Up. And where was his focus? On himself. Not on others, but on himself. Now, we're going to call that this morning principle what? A. If we apply that to emotional healing, will we experience the fulfillment we and healing we long for emotionally? No. What about fitness and health? If we take in more than we give out, will that produce health? No. no. What about uh, spiritual fulfillment? If we follow this principle religiously, now don't get me wrong, are there people out there who do follow this principle in their religion? Where it's all about them. And they try to baptize that and make it look holy. But have you ever met people that in their religion they're following this principle? Does it work? Does it work for them? Does it work for everyone around them? No. We're going to talk about mental development and financial freedom and all that too according to this principle. But what I want want you to see this morning is what this has done within Christianity. You see, today many people are turned off to the whole God thing. Because all they've ever experienced within religion is principle A. Am I the only one that thinks that? If you agree with me, say yes. We're told that this principle would become a fabric of Christianity. Does this resemble Christianity in the Dark Ages? This principle. Notice the second principle, Philippians 2. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also where? In Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a, what does it say? On a cross. What direction was Jesus moving in? Where was his focus? others. We're going to call that this morning principle B. Once again, if this is the way you see God, and this is the only type of religion, quality of religion that you've experienced, it will be impossible for you to experience spiritual fulfillment while you live according to principle A, or you operate in a religion based on the principles of principle A. Spiritual fulfillment comes not in turning your back against God and searching for some other religion that's 
more meaningful. Spiritual fulfillment comes through allowing God to change your perception of him from what you think he's like to what he's truly like. And for him enabling you to become the type of person that has a relationship with him that treats others not according to this principle, but according to this principle. Are you with me this morning? Boy, sounds like you're sleeping, but I hope you wake up. Let's look at how this principle was applied in the book of Daniel. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 8. It says, In the third year of the reign of Belshazzar, the king, of, the king, a vision appeared to me. To me, Daniel, subsequent to the one which appeared to me previously. I looked in the vision, and while I was looking, I was in the citadel of Susa, which is in the province of Elam. And I looked in the vision, and I would, myself was beside the Eli Canal. Then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a ram. A what? Ram. What? Ram. A ram. Log that in your memory. Circle it. And it says, a ram which had two horns was standing in front of the canal. Now the two horns were long. One was longer than the other with the longer one coming up last. I saw the ram budding westward, northward, southward. No other beast could, was, could stand before him, nor was there any to rescue from his power. He did as he and he. What are those two words? Oh, interesting. Which principle is he following here? A, he magnified himself. Circle those two words, magnified himself. Daniel continues, while I was observing, behold, now a what? A male goat. Circle that. First he saw a what? Now he sees a? And it says he was coming from the west over the surface of the whole earth. Without even touching the ground, the goat had a conspicuous horn between his eyes. He came up to the ram that had the two horns, which I had seen standing in front of the canal. It ru- he rushed at him in his mighty wrath. I saw him come beside the ram. He was enraged at him. He struck the ram, shattered his two horns, and the ram had no strength to withstand him. So he hurled him to the ground, trampled on him, and there was none to rescue the ram from his power. Then the male goat, what does it say? But does it stop there? He just magnified himself? Now he magnifies himself exceedingly. Two questions. Which principle, number one? Which principle? A, is it getting better or more intense? It's not lessening. It's getting more and more concentrated. Soon as he was mighty, the large horn was broken. And in its place, there came up four conspicuous horns toward... Toward the four winds of heaven, one of them came forth, out of one of them came forth a rather small horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the beautiful land. It grew up to the where? Host of heaven. And caused some of the host and some of the stars to fall to the earth, and it trampled upon them. What I want you to notice is that when the male goat came, the male goat simply attacked what? The ram. But when this little horn comes on the scene, he doesn't just attack other animals in this vision. Whom does he reach out against as well? Are you here this morning? (laughs) Wake up, talk to me. Yeah, the host of heaven. It's something that affects God and his kingdom. He caused some of those hosts and some of the stars to be thrown down to the earth and he trampled them down. It even magnified itself to be, what does it say? Circle that. This is an incredible statement. Whoever this is, he doesn't just magnify himself like the ram. He doesn't just magnify himself to be exceedingly like the male goat. 
He magnifies himself to be what? Equal with God. Number one, what principle is that that we're seeing here? A, and once again, is it lessening or is it intensifying? This is a principle of whose kingdom, according to Isaiah 14. This is how the devil is seeking to operate things. This is how the devil is trying to get us to think, to see that God is operating things. Is it true? But that's how he would have us see him. Isn't that true? Satan's modus operandi has always been to deceive humanity in regards to the character of who? And in Daniel chapter 8, we see one of his greatest attempts to try to convince the world that God is truly like this. And I'm going to show you how. It says it magnified itself to be equal with who? The commander of the host. Who's that? God. And it removed the regular sacrifice from him. Take your pencils with me. Take your pens. I want you to cross out the word sacrifice. Just cross it out. Mark it out. The reason I'm asking you to cross it out is because in the original Hebrew, it's not there. Matter of fact, if you'll go back to some of your Bibles and your translations, you'll find that that word sacrifice is in italics. What that simply means, there's lots of words in the Bible that are in italics. Those are words that aren't necessarily in the original text, but the original Hebrew isn't a straight translation to English. Are you with me? And sometimes you need to throw in a few extra words to make the sentence make sense. Does that make, are are you with me? Do you understand? Well, the word sacrifice here was thrown in because the translators here thought that that's what was was being talked about. But I want you to cross it out for a minute and look at the whole chapter. The word regular here means a continuity. Has there been a continuity to Daniel chapter 8? Has there been a common thread that we have seen happen over and over again? What is continually happening in Daniel chapter 8? Which principle is being followed? This is the only thing that every one of these animals has in common. Now, don't get me wrong. Does God have something that he's continually doing? What is he continually doing? Living for himself? Who's, what's he continually doing? He's living for others. He ever liveth, it says, to make intercession for who? God is continually exercising his selfless self-abandonment to try and help and bless us. Is that not the spirit of heaven? Is that what God is continually doing? This is what God is like. But I want you to notice that there will come a power that will remove from people's thinking their understanding of God as being like this. It will remove that from him and it will implant in its place an idea that God is really like this. It removed the continual that God's functioning under from him and replaced it with something else. It says the place of his what? Sanctuary, read it with me, was what? Thrown down. In what sense? Is it not there anymore? Has heaven been, did heaven have a, have a landslide and it's not there? Or have people's perceptions of what heaven is all about been cast down? Are you hearing me? 
it says, on account of transgression, the host of which the commander is the commander of, the host will be given over to this horn along with the what? The regular. Mark out sacrifice, the continuity. It will fling, what's that word? Truth. Circle that. It will fling truth to the ground. That's the greatest point that I want you to take from this. Somehow there's a horn that becomes effective in changing people's perceptions of what God is really like from being this to being this. And in this act, truth, the truth about who? God and His character and His kingdom. What it's all about. It's thrown to where? To the ground. It performs its will and it what? Prospers. I heard a holy one speaking. And another holy one said to that particular one who was speaking, How long will this vision concerning the regular, cross out the word sacrifice again, the regular apply while the transgression causes horror? What is the great horror that this transgression causes? What is the great horror? That people would begin to see God like this instead of like this. That they would have nothing to do with Him. They would come up with ideas like we came from monkeys. Which to me, and if you believe that, I don't want to put that down. Every person is entitled to their beliefs. But it is amazing to me the lengths that humanity is going today. The lengths to which humanity is going to run away from a God because they think He's like this. And we're sitting around picking fruit. We are. Christians are failing today. We're fighting evolution. We're picking on homosexual lifestyles. We're picking on abortion. We're picking on atheism. These are just the fruits of the problem. Are you hearing me? The real problem, the world is running headlong into that which will destroy them because they're running from what they think is like this when really he's the furthest thing from it. What would happen if we struck at the root of the tree and we became people who showed the world he's like this through how we treat them? Would all of the fruit of the tree wither and die? If you want to save someone, don't pick on their behavior. Teach them how to see. Have you heard what I've been saying the whole time? Because this is the problem with the world today. Not not that they're involved in gross immorality, as some preachers might expound. That's only the fruit of the problem. The fruit of the problem is the world today doesn't have a clue what God is really like. And why? Because there would come a group who exhibit a picture of God who looks more like this than this. Let's read on. Notice what it says. How long will this take place while the transgression causes this horror and allows both the holy place and the host to be trampled? I praise God that this vision does not end with the trampling down thereof. Amen? The vision ends... He said to me, for 2,000 
300 evenings and mornings. Then that holy place, the truth that has been thrown down, the host, all of that that has been transpiring in this vision will be, what does it say? Properly what? Restored. How many want to be a part of that? Of taking people's pictures of God and helping them see He's nothing like what He has been reported to be. He is truly like Jesus revealed Him to be. Boy, that's a mission to be part of, isn't it? That's something to live here. That's a, that's a life mission to wrap everything in your life around. That's a goal that should be paramount in all of our lives. Amen? Everything should be held secondary to showing the world the truth about God. That's what it's about. That's what Daniel's whispering to us. In Daniel 8, 15, it says, When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. At this stage, all he knows is that there's a a ram, a goat, and a little horn, and heaven gets messed up over it. But then it'll be restored. If you were Daniel at this stage, what would you say? What is this all about? He seeks to understand it. Behold, standing before me was one who looked like a man. And I heard the voice of the man between the banks of the Eli, and he called out and said, Gabriel, give this man an understanding of the vision. So glad God is generous. So he came near to where I was where I was standing. And when he came to me, I was frightened. I fell on my face. But he said to me, Son of man, understand the vision pertains to the time of the end. What time are we living in? The time of the end. Are we living in the fruits of what we have seen happen here this morning? Are we witnessing that this has taken place? It says, while he was talking with me, I sank into a deep sleep. That gives me such hope. People sometimes do that to me, too. But if Daniel could fall asleep on Gabriel, then I guess it's not that bad. I sank into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. He touched me, and it doesn't tell how he touched him. (laughs) Wake up! And he made me stand upright. (laughs) If you're having trouble, stand up. (laughs) Maybe I should try Gabriel's tactics. Just kidding. He said, behold, I'm going to let you know what will occur in the final period of the indignation. It pertains to an appointed time of the end. The ram which you saw with the two horns represents the kings of what? Take your second hand out with me this morning, your insert. We've seen this over and over again. We began looking at this Thursday night. We saw in, in Thursday night in Daniel chapter 2 that Nebuchadnezzar saw a statue. We also saw Thursday night that Daniel in chapter 7 saw four beasts. Today what we're seeing is a ram and a goat. Now, the head of gold and the lion we discovered was Babylon. The chest of silver and the bear we discovered was what? Media Persia. In this vision, what is Media Persia, according to Gabriel? What is Media Persia represented as? A ram. So I want you to take that word, Media Persia, those two words, and write it there above 539 to 331 BC. See how Babylon is above that date, above it? Put Media Persia above it there. 539 to 331, Media Persia, M E D I A P E R S I A, Media Persia. Go back to your other handout with me when you're ready. Gabriel continues, the shaggy goat represents the kingdoms of what? Greece. Greece. Did Greece follow Media Persia in world history? Yes. And the large horn that is between his eyes is the first what? Who was the first king of Media Persia? 
Sorry, Greece. Sorry. Alexander the Great. When Alexander died, notice what happened. The broken horn and the four horns that arose in its place represent the four kingdoms which will arise from his nation, but although not with his power. When Alexander the Great died, how many divisions was his kingdom divided up into? He had no sons. They were given to his generals. He had four of them. And that's how Greece was divided up. But you can go back to your insert again. In Daniel 2, it's represented by a waste of bronze. In Daniel 7, it's represented by a leopard with four heads. In Daniel 8, it's represented as a goat with four horns right in Greece, above 331 to 168 B.C. Greece. It says, in the latter period of their rule... When the transgressors have run their course, a king will arise, insolent and skilled in intrigue. What is intrigue? Mystery, lies, deceit. He'll be skilled in these things. His power will be mighty, but not by his own power. He will destroy to an extraordinary degree and prosper and perform his will. He will destroy mighty men and the holy people. And through his shrewdness, he will cause deceit to what? Deceit. Deceit. What is deceit? Lies. Lies about who? About God. He'll cause those to what? Succeed by his... Influence. What is influence? It's how a person what? What gives you influence with other people's lives? Just that you know them? Okay. In today's culture, people do not allow you to influence them until they've first seen how you yourself live. Are you with me? Do you understand? Someone wins. A person's influence by their behavior. This power, through its behavior, would cause deceit about God to succeed. Do you see what Daniel's saying here? By its activity, its actions, he will magnify himself in his heart. Which principle? A. He will destroy many people while they are at ease. He will even oppose the prince of princes, but he will be broken without what? I don't know about you, but what does that mean without human agency? Who's going to step in? God. Did we see that in Daniel chapter 7, where a little horn would bring ill repute against the character of God and God would intervene and step in and the kingdom would be given back to Jesus? Did we see that in Daniel chapter 7, Thursday night? 
We see that same thing being hinted to this morning. It says the king will do as he pleases in Daniel 11. The king will do as he pleases. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will speak monstrous things against the god of gods. He will prosper until the indignation is finished for that which is decreed will be done. In Revelation 13, we read this last night. It says there will be given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies. What are those arrogant words? What are those boastful words we talked about? Whom does he claim to be on earth? God on earth. Did Jesus claim to be that? Yes. And through Jesus' influence, how Jesus lived, did Jesus show us what God was really like? Well, here would come another power who claims to be God on earth, who would rule the world, who by its influence, the way it treated others, would portray God not to be like this, but God to be according to which principle? Notice what it says. He opened his mouth and blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name. What is name significant of again? Character. And his tabernacle, that is those who dwell in heaven. It was also given to him to make war with his saints and to overcome them. And authority over every tribe, people, tongue and nation was given to him. Would this power rule the world like Greece and Media Persia and Rome and all those other places? It says, and all who dwell on the earth will worship him, everyone whose names have not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who had been slain. In Second Thessalonians, remember we covered this, it says, we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him, that none of you be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. What was being said back then in the, in the church there? In Thessalonica. What was being said there? That Jesus had already what? Come back. Paul's saying, listen. Let none of you be deceived in any way. It will not come unless the... What's that word? Apostasy comes first. Did Jesus see that the Christian church would go through a state of apostasy? Now don't get me wrong. Would there always be people within Christianity that remained faithful to God? But the church as a whole, what would it go through? A a stage, a phase of what Paul called what? Apostasy, a falling away from that which is truth. Did the church do this? Did the church during the dark ages, as we saw in Daniel chapter 7, did the church exhibit by its influence that God was more like that than like this? Praise God that it's not forever. Amen. But I want you to notice it says, I speak what I've seen with my father. This is Jesus. You do what you have seen with your father. Why do they do these things? Because that's how they really see God to be. It says they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Did they think they were in the right? It said, if you were Abraham's children, you would have do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Will there be those that we found out in the end who believe God's like this? Who's all about himself, self-centered. That's why we don't experience spiritual fulfillment today, because we've got the wrong picture of who? Of God. We think he's like this when really he's like this. And in Jesus' day, there were those who thought he was like this. And what were they trying to do to the one who was trying to reveal he was like this? You seek to what? 
Does that sound familiar? Did we learn last night that that history will be repeated? That in the end of time, there will be those who their picture of God is like this. And there will be pictures, people whose pictures of gods are like this. Of God is like this. And in this event, what will these people be seeking to do? Remember John chapter 8, what Jesus is saying here. What were they trying to do to Him? And in Revelation 13, what will they try to do to them? To kill them. As many as do not follow along, they should be killed. But notice, what did Jesus do even then? How did Jesus respond to them? By striking back? Jesus turned the other what? Cheek. When the parable states, do you remember the parable Jesus told of the vine dresser? And the produce, the harvest becomes ripe and it's time to reap all of the labor. He sends forth his servants. And what do those who were left as stewards of the Vineyard. What do they do to the servants? Do you remember the parable? They beat them up and they killed them. He sent more. What did they do this time? He beat them up and they killed them. And finally, the, the owner of the vineyard says, I'll send my son. Surely they will honor him. And what do they say to the son? This is the heir. Let's kill him. Why? Because if there's no heir then the vineyard's theirs. The question I want to ask you this morning is when they came to the son with the intent to kill him and take his inheritance, to take all that was his, when they came to the son with the intent of taking all that belonged to him, how did the son respond? He laid down his life for them and said, that's exactly why I've come. To give you it all. Take it. He turned the other cheek. And he gave it to them. Everything they were seeking to take by force. He gave them as a gift. Isn't that what the gospel teaches? It's a gift. What a powerful demonstration of what is truly in God's heart towards those who would persecute Him. And the Bible says that in the end, there will be those who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. Will this principle be seen again among God's people? I can't wait for that day, amen? Now don't get me wrong, will there be those like in John chapter 8? Read what it says. Jesus said, Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. They said to him, we're not born of fornication. What do they mean by that? Was Jesus' death a little suspect? Or Jesus' birth a little suspect? We're not born of fornication. We have one father. Who? God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? I'll tell you why. He says, because you're not able to listen to my words. You are of your father, the... Who had they just said their father was? God. But which principles were they following in their worship of God? What direction were they moving in? Where was their focus? On themselves. You may be a Christian in name. 
Are you hearing me? But if you are following these principles in your life, your Christianity is a sham. And it's not enlightening the world in regards to what God is like. It's darkening it with more lies. The greatest prayer a Christian can pray today is God, show me how other-centered and self-abandoning you truly are with the hope that that same other-centeredness will be awoken in me. This is where spiritual fulfillment lies. Are you hearing me? Daniel 8. It says the vision of the evenings and mornings, which is told is true. What would happen at the end of the evenings and mornings? What would happen? Do you remember the vision? Not second coming, not the return of Jesus. Yes, all that had been thrown down to the ground and trampled would be what? Restored. This must happen before the second coming can take place, mustn't it? Jesus said the gospel would be preached, then the end would come, didn't he? I, Daniel, was exhausted and sick for days. He says, then I got up and carried on the king's business, but I was astounded at the vision and there was none to explain it. I want us to read it from various translations because this is where we're going to focus on this morning. It says, he said unto me for 2,300 evenings, then the holy place will be what? Properly what? Restored. The American Standard Version says, then shall the sanctuary be what? Cleansed. The NIV says, then the sanctuary will be what? Reconsecrated. And the Revised Standard Version says, it'll be restored to its rightful state. The Darby Version says, then the sanctuary shall be, I love this version, what? Vindicated. What does vindication mean? What happens when a person is in need of vindication? What has transpired when vindication is needed? Lies have been spread, have they not? And vindication means that the truth comes out and people finally what? See. How many want to be a part of vindicating the kingdom of God before the world? And saying he's not like the church has painted him to be in the past. May we be a part of the church that shows what God is really like. And hear me this morning. Can you be a member of any denomination this morning and still follow this principle? Then it's more than what church your name's on, is it? Isn't it? It's more than where your membership is. Are you hearing me? It's more than that. I didn't say that doesn't matter. I said it's more than that. Are you hearing me? Don't run me out and think I'm crazy. It's more than that. It's not enough just to be a member. If you want to be a member of something, there's all kinds of clubs you can be a member of. God wants to show the world that He is not what He has been perpetrated to be. He is something so much different.
His character needs vindicated in our culture today. And if you want to experience spiritual fulfillment, learn to discern the difference. Be a part of what God is doing today. My life is incredibly spiritually fulfilling. It is physically taxing, but it is spiritually fulfilling. I don't enjoy being away from my family. I love you guys. But right now, I cannot, I'm just being transparent. I cannot wait to get back home because I miss my, my three kids and my wife. And people ask me, Herb, why do you spend so much time away from them? It's because my wife and I both have had our lives changed by seeing that God is truly like this. And both of us are willing to sacrifice whatever it takes so that even one more person can see what we've seen about the heart of God. That He is nothing with the church of the last 1,500 years have perpetrated Him to be. He's what Jesus showed Him to be. And I wish it didn't have to contradict. But didn't Paul say the church wouldn't always do the right thing? And none of us are naive, are we? We know. We know within Christianity mistakes have been made, don't we? We've all experienced it on a personal level where someone who meant well has shown God to be this rather than this. God is crying out for a people who will give them their all, who will sell out to Him and say, Lord, everything else is second to the vindication of Your character for this to this world. Everything else is held secondary. Do you want to be that kind of person today for Him? Amen. That's what it's about, isn't it? Now let's zero in before I leave you. I'm not going to just end it here. I will. I mean, I'm going to end it in two minutes. I'm going to let you out early. How's that? No? You don't want to? You don't speak up. I'll hold you till midnight. I've threatened it before. Yeah. We're on the first floor, so I'm not worried about it. You just get a, you just get a bruise. <laughs> it's not life-threatening. Yeah, I'll see my wife and kids sooner. Thanks. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> How long would this vision last? 2,300 what? Days. Now, remember, this is prophetic. A prophetic day is a literal what? Do you remember? We've covered this. Yeah, do we see that in Daniel chapter 7? Yeah, a literal year. So it's actually 2,300 years. This is the time span of Daniel chapter 8. Are you with me? The vision began with a what? Oh, we have read Daniel chapter 8 only. What did this vision begin with? A ram, that's right. And then he went to, uh, well, see, you're resourcing other chapters that we haven't even covered. We're in this seminar, not your headspace, my headspace. Read my mind. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, then there was a goat. Then there was a little horn. 
And what did it damage? Then there will come what? Vindication. That's a powerful vision, isn't it? What will be the length of this vision? So from the ram, that means from the kingdom of what? To the time where God is going to vindicate His character before the world will be how many years? 2,300 years. When was the reign of Media Persia? Was it quite some time ago? What were the actual dates? Take out your handout with me. What were the actual dates? It, it, it was 539 to 331. That means if we take this time period and move it over here, how many years? We will have two dates here between which this vindication will take place. Are you with me? Another time. We don't know what year to start this in, in Daniel chapter 8, do we? All we know is that it begins with which power, which power, which kingdom did the vision begin with? And that was between the dates of 539 and 331 B.C. You add 2,300 years later and you come to another time span. Let me try to illustrate this with the whole board. Give me those two dates again. I just erased them. 539 to what? 331 B.C. If you add, the vision started somewhere in between those, correct? It started with the reign of Media Persia, sometime during the reign of Media Persia. If you add 2,300 years to each one of these dates, you'll get two more dates. Add it up for me. Anybody here good at math? If, if you're not good at math, look in the gray section. 1761 to what? 1969. Hear me. Something would transpire between 1761 and 1969. Something would happen. That would begin the work of vindicating the character of God before the worlds. Isn't that an incredible, incredible discovery? Just with Daniel chapter 8. Now hear me. Would you like to know what happened here? What this was? Would you like to know? Would you like to know? Come back in 10 minutes. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, thank you for the time you've given us this morning. And Lord, as we continue with this, Father, we want to be part of that people who vindicate your name before the world. We want to be part of the people who show this world what you're really like. 
And Lord, this vision in Daniel chapter 8 is powerful because it, it indicates that you were doing something not just in the days of Moses, not just in the days of Daniel, not just in the days of Abraham or Isaac or Jacob. Father, you are still at work on planet earth today and you are doing something in our time period, in our day that we can be a part of like those great biblical heroes of old. We can be a part of what was began through them. We can be a part of what you're going to finish through us. What a powerful thing, Lord. What a challenge. But oh, what fulfillment for us to plug in to engage in what you are actively at work doing on planet Earth today. Father, show us that. In your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to come back at five after. How's that? We're going to break for 15 minutes. They've got some drinks out in the lobby once again. They're not doing the cookies this morning. I begged, I pleaded, I twisted arms and just couldn't get it to happen because we're going to eat in just another hour a big meal and they didn't want to spoil your lunch. So anyways, enjoy the refreshments. There are drinks out there and we'll be back at five after. We'll see you then. Make sure you get the next handout.